the psychologist. Yeah, so um, I've been thinking I want to name my YouTube channel Ultimate Happiness. And the reason is uh, I think as a child and growing up in Trinidad, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago, I always, I had this, I didn't think of it, so it was an unconscious thought that once you do everything you're told, like go to school, get good grades, get a good job, uh, get married to a good man, have a child, have the house, have the car, all that stuff, then you would have what I considered then ultimate happiness. And like you would be forever happy after you did all that stuff, right? And so... <laughs> Seriously, naive me, but there's still people caught in that lie. But, um, and I had, and this is like uh, so many years ago. And being born in quote unquote poverty, poverty is relative, uh, in Trinidad and having some struggles growing up and being able to work my way out of that and, you know, being able to, um, have a great job with benefits and a handsome husband, great relationship, beautiful daughter, house, car, all that. Uh, and this is in Trinidad. The rooftop garden is here in the U.S. This is like 20 some years ago. And this is before I ever knew I would live in the U.S. And I have all of this and I'm still not happy. And when I realized that I wasn't happy that was like the beginning of my questioning life. I, I, it didn't make sense to me. It's like, really, why am I not happy? I started thinking something was wrong with me because here I am, I'm looking at the elders, like parents, you know, in-laws and other friends who are married and, um, yeah, they have fights and whatever, but people seem to be pretty okay with this life. And here I am. I had what people thought was to be like the perfect life and I wasn't happy. And out of that happiness, I, uh, I remember when I told my um, husband that I needed to leave. I said, because I need to figure out, well, truth is I had an affair and I said, I'm like, okay, this does not make sense. If you're supposed to get married and two becomes one and all that crap. And um, I'm like, okay, if I cannot get everything that I desire in my marriage, then I should not be married. And so I told him I have to leave and and I left. Um, but before I even left him, you know, we lived in the same house for a while. We're, we're still really good friends. We've never like had any kind of bitterness between us. But out of that, I was trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Why can I not be happy with what everyone else seemed to be happy with. And around that same time is when I learned, um, I got introduced to meditation for the first time. I did a general writing workshop and this Catholic nun would take us through like a five minute uh, guided meditation and then we would write in this journal. And I, um, I remember going home and laying on the floor and practicing this meditation because life was miserable. It was really hard. My in-laws were mad at me and my own mother was mad at me because I was leaving my husband and breaking up my family. So I had no one. And I remember one night I'm laying on the floor trying to figure out how to fix my life. 
because it's like I could stay and they'd be happy, but I would be unhappy. So it's like, I'll die. Or I can go and I'll be alone for the rest of my life. That's how I saw it. And I was laying on the floor one night trying to figure it out. Eventually, I realized that I had no solution. And I said, I just had this thought in my mind. I said, God, usually I know what to do next. But this time, it's up to you. And I kid you not, it was like magic. In an instant, the moment that thought went through my mind, I felt a weight lifted off me. I felt like I could fly. I felt love just bubbling inside of me. I knew everything that I needed to know in that moment. You know, I knew, like I was telling you earlier, I knew that I was love at the core of my being. I know, I knew that I was love. I know that I did not need to take responsibility for anyone, uh, how, how anyone else chose to respond to me taking care of me. I knew that as long as I acted out of love for myself and all involved, then everything was always going to be okay. The universe took care of the details. I just knew all of this. And this, that feeling that I had on that day has never left me to this day. I still have that knowing that radical trust in the universe. I like, there's nothing to fear. Everything is always going to be all right. And, um, and then I realized that what I was calling ultimate happiness was actually inner peace. You know, but you cannot really name something until you experience it. Yeah. Because really, if you think about it, there's happiness and there's sadness. So if you're happy, you can, you can be sad, but inner peace, like peace, there's nothing that's the opposite of your peace within yourself. And so the life that I live, I like to say it's like the ground that I stand on can never be shaken. This whole world can fall down around me and I'll always be okay. Absolutely nothing to fear. So that's my little gem of a story. <laughs> Ishelle Yah, life coach, originator of fun anklets in service of the divine feminine, goddess of light and love, joins the show to talk about death, life, and the ultimate happiness. This conversation with Ishelle was a complete surprise and a total treat. I was so, so blessed to get to meet her in the day before I left the farm to pick up my dad for his visit. She was coming through to help with the new arrival and um, just felt so deeply connected to this woman and her stories and her wisdom and her presence. So uh, I was even more happy when she said she would be willing to come on the show. So thank you listeners for tuning in to The Psychedologist, and I hope that this very consciousness positive conversation brings something new into your life today. And I almost forgot, first of all, I want to specify that the new arrival was a human baby born here on the farm where I live. And secondly, the uh, psychedologist is now including with every episode Who's Who in Psychedelics? This week, I want to feature Kai Wingo Yi. Kai passed into the realm of the ancestors February 2016. A mushroom expert, her passion was in informing the community of the understated value of mushroom cultivation. 
She provided mushrooms, lectures, and workshops in agricultural support for sustainable food systems and served as committee organizer for Food, Race, and Justice Conference at Case Western Reserve University. Kai felt that if we, women especially, embrace fungi as our allies, it has the power to transform, heal, and empower. She received a BA from Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee, in speech and communication, and studied at Maimona Keta School of African Dance in Senegal, West Africa. Although she used her experience to bridge gaps culturally between students, and also gave as an international artist in the Office of Safe and Drug-Free Schools program, Kai realized that alone was inadequate in decreasing addiction among youth. As an advocate of psychedelic exploration and research, she maintained that debunking myths of drug abuse and entheogenic use will be the only way to recreate responsible adults who can make informed decisions. Kai now lives in the multiverse, where she owns and operates Cleveland's first and only mushroom farm, Buckeye Mushroom Farm. Did you ever feel like you were going to die? Never. Ever felt like I was going to die. Uh, I know that I'm going to die, you know, because it's a given in this life. Once you're born, you're going to die. So, yeah. I like to think about my death and I also like to think about giving birth one day. Mm. And because I know I'll die and I think I'll perhaps give birth to a baby at some point. And I like to think about myself being really grounded and conscious in those moments. And I don't want to die in my sleep. I want to feel it. And I'm very curious about it, actually. Oh, I actually have no um, curiosity about death. Um, I also have no fear of it. I know it's going to come. I have no idea what it's going to be like. But I think, um, why think about that when I have this moment? Yeah. So it's like, I'll think about death when death is at my, you know, like I'm at death's door, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or death's at your door. Or death's at my door, whichever way it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. When you're really badass, death has to come to you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. And I also have this feeling like that I'll live for at least a hundred years. Mm. Yeah. How old are you now? 51. Oh. <laughs> Halfway point. Halfway point. No, but it's funny because it was on my, just before my 50th birthday. Actually, no, it was, yeah, it was. It was the end of January. And I attended this uh, two day uh, seminar in New York and um, with this woman, Mama Gina, a friend. It was like a free thing. And um, she was teaching how grief moves through the body and I didn't think I had anything to grieve about but I'm in the audience and I'm doing all the motions that she's showing you know how the body it's kind of very sensual as well the way she was moving her body and I felt this like sadness just started coming from deep in the pit of my belly is just rising up and I started sobbing and sobbing and I'm like in my mind now you know my rational mind is like what is this like you don't have anything to grieve about. What is this emotion that's arising? And then I just heard, you know, this voice in my head say, you know, you live the first 50 years for yourself and the next 50 would be for the divine feminine. You're going to live your fullest life for every woman who does not have that opportunity. And um, I was like, okay. You don't have to tell me more than once. You don't have to twist my arm. 
universe. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. What? Oh, so many questions. So, what has that been like since you had that realization come? Oh. Uh, so that was the beginning of 2017. You know, that was January, and I kid you not, it's like early, like the spring of um, like late late winter and the spring and maybe even early summer of 2017, I cried more than I've cried in my entire life. And most of the time I didn't know exactly what I was crying for. I think it was like a cleansing of sorts, but um, I was sexually abused as a child and I pretty much have done all the work. I, I'm fine with it. Uh, or so I thought, but I am. Uh, but stuff arose like about my uh, childhood sexual abuse and about, you know, like, I think it's the, I think when I was, while I was going through it, I had this knowing that emotions that we can't process as children, because I was abused between the ages of seven and 12. Uh, we, we do, you know, like a plant that's growing under concrete. It just goes towards the light and it bends mm. and goes towards which, whatever is easier. And I think as children, we do that. We just survive. Yeah. And, um, and so now that I'm in a position where I have stronger, I'm going to say emotional muscles, so to speak, that these things came out, came up to be, um, experienced, you know, and, um, so I had a lot of crying, a lot of, um, just, I felt like I was like, there was something that was going into my being and finding all like the deep little dark corners and like clearing it out so that I can hold more light. Wow. Yeah. And um, so that was my experience. So yeah, 2017 was um, kind of like an initiation, a growth, but um, yeah, for whatever the big thing is, but the big thing for me always seems um, little, but not in a, like a judging kind of way, but it's just like, it's, it's life. You know, and and I flow with it, whatever comes. Yeah. I really identify with that um, childhood stuff coming up. Just this week, I came to terms with that in every romantic relationship I've had that got serious, at some point I became unexplain or inexplainably upset, um, and it and felt very childish and like really didn't attend to that child like I would attend to another child. <clears throat> it's like, why am I acting like this? Oh my God, like grow up. Like what? Like you're a crazy woman. You know, just like would say I'm a fucking crazy bitch. That's what I just kept <laughs> telling myself. Oh my God, what a bitch. Yeah. And I didn't leave space for the fact that those were important things coming up and they were playing out something I didn't play out as a child because I just had to find the little crack and just mm -hmm. had to survive. I couldn't really process. But now that, like you're saying, like you have deeper roots and yeah. so you can actually like work through it. And it was so, such a, such a relief yeah. to have the support to be able to go through. Yeah. And you know, and even as I was going through that process, uh, in 2017, last year, uh, one of the things that I, um, I know because, uh, as I've spoken to a lot of people, uh, I have lived a pretty like happy, awesome, amazing, peaceful, you know, joyful, like totally 
supported by the universe. You know, I've lived that life for probably about 18 years. And sometimes people think when you get to that point and you're in living that kind of life that you don't have those kinds of experiences. But that's just life. And life comes. It doesn't matter what um, where you are or how enlightened you feel you are or how awake you feel you are. Life comes and it's about meeting life just as it, it comes and not wanting it to be different. You know, just experiencing what you're experiencing and just flow with it. Yeah. My partner and I argue about this a lot. Um, I feel that way. I feel that to be true. And, you know, and yet I often feel that I'm suffering unfairly. And, and, and then there are times that I feel I unfairly enjoy a lot of, um, just an easier time than some people. And so what do you say to like the thought that, you know, we aren't all one because like people aren't equal, you know, they're, you know, people who are trans or, you know, like LGBTQ folks, people of color, like being like shot by police more often than like other people. What's like, how does that <laughs> reconcile? <laughs> it's funny. So um, how I see people, we are all one because we're all exactly the same. The circumstances of our lives may be different, but we have the power to change that. You know, and it's not like actually physically, forcefully, effortfully, you know, like making an effort to change it, but it's really about choosing a different perspective, you know, choosing how you want to look at life. So, um, we are all, I, I see that we're all one. I see that we're all one at the core. We are exactly the same. Uh, if, each person who is experiencing whatever they deem to be their suffering was born in a different environment. They would be completely different people. They would have different circumstances. So, but, but when we are born as babies, as newborn babies, we are exactly the same. And as we grow, that sameness is always there. And it's about getting to the point where we recognize it and we know it, you know, like with every fiber of our being that we are one and the circumstances of our lives does not define who we are. That moment that you told me about yesterday when you meditated for the first time and you had a mystical experience, <laughs> did you realize we were all one in that experience? Actually, no, no. It's like um, the only thing I got then uh, was that I am, um, it was all about me. So it's like, I knew that I was love. You know, it's like, I knew that that's all there was, that love was all, love is all there is and only love is real. You know, and the funny thing about that, which isn't really funny, but <laughs> <laughs> is that, um, like I had this realization of my own and then I've read so many books and like of people who lived and died before I even came on this earth and other people who are still living who have had um, the exact same realization. So there's got to be a lot of truth to that, that we are love and love is really the energy that um, flows this river that we call life, you know? So I, um, yeah, I didn't have that whole oneness thing, like how some people describe it. And I, it doesn't always resonate with me how some uh, spiritual people who are in the media describe it, but for me, it's more of like a knowing in my body that, you know, we are this essential energy. You know, we're not this physical body. We're this essential energy that is life. 
you know? So we're not living a life. We are life. At least I am life, you know? So, um, and there's only one life, you know? So like, but some people call source, you know, it's, it's life. Life is here. You know, that's why you can put like, uh, what do those scientists put that they put little bacteria in and it grows out of like nothing? Petri dishes? Yes. Because life is here, ever mm. present, ever growing, ever manifesting physically. You know, life goes nowhere. It's, it was, I think it was here in the beginning and it'll be here long after all of us die and whoever comes after us, life is always going to be here. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I've been thinking about how I use my life energy lately and I want to use it without violence. Like I sometimes see <clears throat> everything that I could do and like yesterday and today I just, you know, worked till I had a headache and I, and I couldn't, and I even made myself come into the house so that I would eat. And then I ended up doing things around the house. So it's like that life energy or that source. I think that with the amount of control over ourselves that we have and our consciousness, sometimes we, we waste it or we squander it. I don't know. Is that possible? That's just a judgment and a projection. You know, life is life, period. There's no waste. There's no good. There's no bad. It's just life. And it's just experiences that we have. And if I judge my life to be wasteful, then I'll suffer for that. But if I judge my life to be exactly the way it's meant to be in this moment, then I live that joyful life in this moment, you know, and I don't allow anyone to judge my life. You know, it's not that I don't allow people to judge my life. They can if they want to, but it doesn't bother me. That's their problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you never so, judge yourself? Not really. And I'm not saying that I don't have judgmental thoughts sometimes. But I do not believe all of the thoughts that go through my mind. You know, I am very much able to just not, um, not believe the thoughts that go through my head. So it's like, I'm sure I have judgmental thoughts that go through my head, probably not very often. But like I said, it's like, I may say something, sometimes I might do something and a thought might, I'm like, eh, really, it's done, whatever. You know, it's like, um, and also like when I speak sometimes, um, and even if it's not received, I just trust that whatever comes out of me is what's necessary in the moment. And I leave it. It's done. It's done. I'm on to the present moment. Yeah. I mentioned consciousness hack to you before. Is there something that if you're finding yourself leaving the present moment that connects you back in? Yes. My breath. My breath, it's like, um, and I've said this to people before, and I, some people probably think I'm crazy, but basically the breath is the magic. I mean, if we, the, and I think that the issue is people don't remember to stop and breathe, but if whenever we're going through any kind of, um, what I would say, negative emotions or like feeling contraction in our body in any situation that we're experiencing, if we remember to, or even like the million thoughts that cycle in our heads and we remember to stop and breathe and focus on that breath, feel that breath, go down into the belly and exhale fully. And you do that maybe two or three times. That is like the best thing ever. It can, it, I don't think we need anything else mm. than to remember to breathe.
Yeah. I just did it. Awesome. Feels good. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. The breath. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, even if, um, you know, whatever I might be going through and the story is just like playing in my head or whatever, I, I remind myself, I'm like, okay, breathe. <sighs> and then I am like, yes, back to the present moment. And, you know, and then self-talk is another thing that, um, you know, and the things that I, I say, I don't have life hacks, but thinking about it now in this moment, I probably do, but it's just, it comes so easily. Like I don't have to think about it. And, um, and I guess I take it for granted because it's, um, self-talk, you know, because even if there's a story, um, playing in my head, um, I might like, <laughs> you know, that ain't true. <laughs> you know, so nobody knows what I'm saying to myself, but I'm like, you know, that ain't true. And I, I'll just, just self-talk, but self-talk from a place of knowing because the mind really does have a mind of its own. The mind does, it's like a thought machine. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to stop it. We just have to know that it's just doing its thing and it serves us. And we let it do its thing and we just don't grab onto it. Don't latch onto it. Don't get attached to the thoughts that go through our heads. Can you run the machine? Can one run the machine? Uh, well, run the machine, you know, it might mean different things to different people. Um, can we um, master control? Um, operate, operate. And then it is like, what are we saying? Am I going to be knowing exactly or, or deciding exactly what thoughts go through my head? So I would say, I do not want this particular kind of thought. No, that's not. I don't think that's mastering the mind. Mm. I think mastering the mind is not becoming attached to the thoughts because there's something else that um, I have no proof, but I do have this feeling and knowing that the thoughts are just like life is life. The thoughts are all there and it's a part of life. And sometimes, you know, it just pops in and it may not even be, it, it might be um, thoughts that someone else has thought, you know, has had mm. um it might be things that people have said everything that we put out is energy and all of that energy is there and so if it gets into my head for whatever reason um mastering the mind is knowing what thoughts are i'm gonna say healing or wellness mm. um and what or or what thoughts serve your highest good as opposed to the ones that don't you know it's like just as we go through this world and we can take what resonates and leave the rest without judging i think we can do the same thing with our with our thoughts and i think that that is mastering the mind i have no idea someone might say something differently but in my in my world you know which i am the center of uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's 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 my skillful living. It's like knowing knowing the thoughts. And the thing about it too is the more you practice not latching on or resisting any thought, um the more 
I think you f- you'll find that you're okay with whatever thought comes into your mind. Yeah. Yeah. We are not our thoughts. No. Don't identify with them. Mm-mm. Are we aware? Are you aware? Oh, I'm always aware. <laughs> <laughs> what about you there listening? Are you aware? <laughs> what about now? Mm. Yeah. Have you learned anything since you've been on the farm or has anything happened? Yeah, it's been great. I have um, learned about all the vegetables, you know, watered the cows, <laughs> helped uh, harvest for the market. Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, and I learned the names of some of the greens and stuff in the garden, names that I can't really re- remember right now, but <laughs> <laughs> but I did. It was great. And it was great hanging out with um, Leah and... Uh, Seeing all that she does, she's a hard worker. Very hard worker. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It's awesome. Do you think you could live on a farm? Oh, well, you're a nomad, so. Yeah, I I, I have, um, yeah, I can live on a farm. I can live on a farm. I'm thinking of any other farms that I've been on. Um, yeah. No, I think this is it. Yeah. I stayed on a farm in Costa Rica um, for a little bit, and my grandmother gardened. I told you a little bit about my grandmother that I feel connected to, and I don't know, I just feel like telling you this, I guess because there have been so many baby birds around. Mm -hmm. My earliest memory was of her gardening, and she had this gardening gloves on, and a baby bird fell out of this nest that was in the corner of our house. And I was walking over to it and she's Czech. She's from the Czech Republic. She had a thick accent and she put her gloved hand in my face, like stop. And she said, don't touch it. (sighs) And she bent down, scooped the baby bird into her two gloved hands and lifted it up. And this is like my first memory was this, her placing this bird back in the nest. Oh, beautiful. And it's been so funny that, um, I keep finding baby birds on the ground and it's like, there's so many nests and you know, they don't all survive. And fortunately all of the calves born have survived. Um, we, there've been a few, um, chicken casualties. Um, but I just find it. And I guess I led into this conversation think asking you about if you thought you were ever dying because life and death just seems so much in my face right now. And, oh. and, um, I don't just like the vulnerability of being a baby. Ray is so so vulnerable. He needs constant attention. But um, so I have a question though. Um, How does it make you feel to be like facing life and death every day, every day? Well, I still, it's almost like a detached in a good way. It's like, like non-attachment because I feel empathy and compassion for the animal and I do what I can for it if I can do something and the plant. And I, and like, I, I feel the most bad when it seems like something might be dying or be hurt because of my, me not paying attention. So like today I was so busy that I didn't water the squash seedlings in the greenhouse the whole day. And I just, when I realized it, Oh, I thought, please let them not be dead. And they were, they weren't dead. They were just like really, really wilted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I watered them and they'll be fine tomorrow. You know, most of them. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how plants are like that? They look like they're about ready to die and you give them some water and then voila. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're amazing. 
I think something important about it, about taking care of animals and plants is realizing that they aren't humans and that they don't interpret things the same as we do. Like this cow that John, I hope he can successfully bring it across the street. um, It's been on its own all day Mm -hmm. because we had to separate it. And, you know, just like the other day I told you about us wrestling that Mm -hmm. calf and having to like hold the calf down on the ground for a little while till we could get it into the barn and how I was holding it down. I could feel its heart racing against me. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, this poor calf is just like being forced and, and the herd was all surrounding us and it was so crazy. But I think that it's worse for a cow to spend the day by itself than to be held on the ground by two people. Um, It's like they're, they don't feel safe when they're not surrounded by each other. They're herd animals. And um, so I think like with death, when death's coming, it's like maybe the awareness of it and the stress about it that makes it so bad. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just trying to promote life where I can. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and yeah, it's, I'm not as attached yeah. to it. So, you know, in my world, there is no death. There was only transitions. So I think what uh, we as humans call death and are so like all worked up and afraid of is simply a transition. There is only life. Um, so I, I have no idea what after like this physical body um, is of no use to us anymore. And the energy that is life leaves this physical body. I have no idea what happens, but, I just think it would be so darn exciting to experience whatever comes after. And so um, when I think of death, it's like, oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, it's, it's, it's amazing because they're really, in the way I see life, there's, there's only life. There's only life. There's, there's no death. There's nothing to fear. Um, it's it's just another experience. Yeah. Is there anything that you're afraid of? Oh, I don't think so. No. You know, like I like to tell people, it's like, I think fear is healthy. Fear is like, if I, um, if I kind of like I'm walking in the street and I don't see an oncoming car and I'm in its way and I, you know, like I'll just be startled and I'll feel a sense of fear. And I think that's, that's fine. Nothing's wrong with that. So, um, that I experience, but when I'm, if I'm going to sit around here and I'm not on an airplane, but I'm afraid to fly and I'm thinking about, Oh my God, this is so horrible. I might die if I get on an airplane and I'm actually experiencing emotional trauma in my body when I'm not even having that, ex- that experience, then that is not healthy, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, so I don't fear anything that I'm not experiencing. I may experience fear in the moment if there's reason for it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You have a family, right? I do. I have a daughter. She's 26 and I have a husband. Do you feel fear about something happening to them? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> Gee, I'm trying to think no, of like no, no. something. But it's funny though, because um, I have no fear of anything happening. Like, but my daughter, she still lives with me. And if she goes out, um, 
on a date or whatever, um, or out with a friend, and she says, I'm going here, and that she's going to be back at a certain time, and I see maybe up two or three hours, and she's not back, I would just text her and say, hey, all is well, question mark, and then she'll respond and say, all is well. Um, I'm not afraid. I, like, there's no fear, but um, it's just like a mom wanting to know that, hey, you know, you're safe and um, everything's okay because uh, I know it's kind of like I tell people, it's like, I'm not afraid to die, but I'm not going to walk out in front of a bus, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so yeah, I just like to know, but I'm not afraid. And are you afraid of what's happening to this country? What is happening to this country? I don't know, with fascism and our president and <laughs> so much this would be so funny if um if this talk about the president ends up in this podcast and i share it my, with my husband he is gonna crack up <laughs> because um i do not do politics in any way form shape or form it would be effort right um well it's not an effort for me it's just it's nothing to worry about you know so it's like i'm like there's so many systems in this world that are created by men to control man. And we, as we, we see and we experience these systems and instead of realizing that they, don't, they really don't work for us and we can exist in them without being um, defined by them, our people don't. And so they get up and down based on how the government's going or whatever, and their emotion um, shifts with that. For me, that has no bearings on my life in any way, shape or form. So um, I like to tell people, I don't care. Oh, a little funny joke is like the other day there was um, like local elections and my husband asked me to vote. So I said, okay, sure. And he filled out the ballot and I'm going to vote. So the people who stay outside the the voting place and they ask you, they want to try to like pitch their person or whatever. So the lady says, um, uh, how oh, are you going to vote? May I speak with you? I'm like, actually, no. Um, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, because I don't care. <laughs> I said, my husband filled out my voting ballot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like... Because I really don't care. And it, it comes across like not caring in like a negative, but it's really like all politicians say that they care about people. And, you know, and then they all do the same thing and people always get, you know, um, upset. But why would I do things and get upset when I don't like feeling upset? So I actually really only do things that make me feel happy, (laughs) you know? So, but in terms of the question you asked about what's going on in this country, uh, we as humans tend to project. I mean, that's all we do. 99% of us, I think just, we project based on our past experiences, based on, other people's opinions and we just go around projecting fear and reason to suffer um, onto this world and 
Um, and then we live that. So we were constant, it's like a cycle. We're creating it and we're experiencing it and we're living it. And then we spew it again. And it's like, we're just constantly creating this reason to be, um, unhappy and miserable and, you know, fussing for whatever reason, because basically what we're saying is like, I can never be happy unless I get everything to be the way that I want it to be. And honestly, people can wait for that, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. So it's like making a choice to be happy and at peace in the midst of all the chaos that's going on in the world. And again, it still comes down to perspective because the way that I see life, it's like every experience, because even, you know, even like my childhood sexual abuse, I, and I, I don't speak for anyone else's experience. This is just me and my experience. Mm -hmm. It's that, um, I really don't see anything wrong with it. It's an experience that I had and it's pro it's caused me to be, to go through processes that I've been through and it's made me into who I am today, you know, and I love who I am today. Um, so it is, we have experiences, that's it, period. They're never good, they're never bad. We choose to um, project, oh, this is a great experience, I want to have more of it. Oh, this is a horrible experience, I want to have less of it. And that's why we suffer. As opposed to saying, we have experiences. This one doesn't feel good, so maybe I won't do things that make me feel this way anymore. And that's it. Or this one feels really good, but you know, It'll probably change someday, <laughs> you know? The only thing you can count on is change. Exactly, change is the only constant. Yeah, I've known that for a long time. Hmm. Is there anything that you hope to do before you die? No. So um, I told my daughter recently, I said, when I die, just, I want two words on my tombstone if she does that. Just say, she lived. Because I live. Um, and because I live the way that I do, like I enjoy every moment. I'm the happiest person that I know. And there's nothing, like like I um, I feel very successful at life. And there's nothing that I can say, oh... I I want to do this before I die. No, I can't think of anything. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of experiences that I'm open to, but whether I do it or not before I die doesn't really matter. Yeah. Cool. Do you have anything last to say to the people? <sighs> to the people, just know that you are, and you know, this is so cliche, you are what you seek. <laughs> oh, that's not cliche. Isn't it? No, I actually, I I don't even really know what people mean when they say that. So I'm so glad that you brought it up. Please oh, teach me. Cool. So it's like everyone is looking for something, you know, um, the secret, the what, you know, the whatever to happiness, to um the, to be able to live the life that they desire. And um, what people don't usually realize is that the concept that they have in their mind, it, what they're desiring or seeking is basically a concept that was created maybe by them or someone else for that matter. And um, in all honesty, if we drop uh, the seeking for those things and just be okay with what is here right now, that's like 
total being totally awake, being totally at peace. And that's like the ultimate happiness. You know, just to know that you are in this moment exactly what you seek because we think we seek things but what we're really seeking is um a feeling mm. you know people want to feel people want money because they think money will make them feel a certain way so or people want whatever a big house whatever to travel because they think they'll feel a certain way and if we drop all of those things and we focus on this moment and be fully present with who we are right now, we'll realize that we can feel the way we want to feel without anything. Yeah, what I really would like to tell people to do is to, so you are what you seek and to really get in touch with the, you know, the you or that present moment, meditation is the key. Yeah, I always tell people that, meditation. And meditation is not, I mean, you don't need any of the fancy meditations or anything. Meditation for me is basically sitting and being with yourself. So you can focus on something like, you can focus on your breath, you can focus on like a low humming sound, you can focus on maybe dripping water from a tap or something, um, just in the beginning. But the more you do it, and you don't need more than maybe five minutes to begin, you can work yourself up to like 15, 20 minutes. Um, but meditation slows the mind down. And uh, for me, when I discovered meditation years ago, I it was I was able to see the space between thought and reaction to thought. You know, so and in that space there's so much that we can do in that space. We can make a choice as to whether we're going to speak a certain thought that comes into our mind. We can make a choice as if we're, whether we're going to attach to it and become like emotions, get emotions based on that thought. We can decide whether it's true or not. We can, um, we can just make decisions in that space between um, thought and uh, rea reaction to that, to whatever thought. Or So meditation is the key because when we meditate, um, we kind of like just really I, I, for me, when I meditate, I'm like, okay, this is my time with God, you know, and it's just me and you, God, there's nothing else in this world. Another thing I like to tell people is like, close your eyes and imagine that you're the only living being on this planet. You know, you open your eyes and you're seeing everything for the first time and there's no one anywhere to tell you what is right, what is wrong, what this is called, you know, so you can name a tree, whatever you want. You can call a tree a chicken, you know, and um, just see everything with new eyes and no one else's agenda or opinion as to what things are. And from that space, choose to create the life that you want to choose, you want to live. Thank you. How do you say thank you in Swahili again? Asanti sana. Well, what did you teach me last night? Uh, good night. Ah. Uh, Usi kumwema. Usi kumwema. Usi kumwema. Yeah.
Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. To find more, you can check us out at thepsychologist.com or find us on Facebook. Stay conscious, everyone.